was a cool conversation we had and uh yeah i forget what we talked about at the end but it got really weird at the end but it was like weird in a good way like funny like when i do the rapid fire questions sometimes people just go on a weird tangent and it's like okay i'm gonna keep all of that in bro <laughs> so and, 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 and you, you, I'm not going to do it, but it may happen uh, because every time I looked up your name and typed your name and it kept autocorrecting to Bruce Willis and I was like, I refuse. <laughs> well, to, to be honest, when when you first messaged me, I was like, wait, Rod Lee, the Baltimore club, Thank club you. DJ, like, is like, I was like, he wants to interview me. And then I'm like, oh, wait, it's Rob Lee. <laughs> Yep. That, that's great. That's great, actually. Um, it, it's funny. Um, I had this interview a, a little while ago with this um, the chef, uh, Adam Estes, and he was just like, so when is Rod Lee and Rob Lee doing a podcast together? Yes. I was like, look, if I can make that happen, I've reached out a few times. If I can make that happen, we're here for it. We're here for it. Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And my next guest that I have the privilege of being in conversation with is a multidisciplinary designer, artist, and founder of Public Mechanics, a design and art studio working in public and cultural spaces. Please welcome Bruce Willen. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Rob. Uh, thank, thanks so much for having me. Really excited for this conversation. Yes. Ex- looking forward to it. Looking forward to chopping it up, spinning the yarn, as it were. Um, so before we get too deep into it, could you could you share like your story, your first experience with art, design, or even music? Because, you know, that's another thing I didn't, I, I kind of omitted from there a little bit. So um, speak to me about that. Uh, share a little bit about, about your story and what kind of led you to, you know, maybe your, your, your current work. Yeah. And I think, I, like, it's one thing that I've I feel like in my career, I've sort of previously like really separated some of these different aspects, like siloed the sort of art and design and music from each other. And I, I feel like just more, more recently, I've been sort of embracing all of them and saying like, oh, it's okay to to have more overlap. And I'm, I'm not totally sure why I wound up doing it in the first place. But um, the the music really does tie into like how I got into design, at least more recently. Uh, I, feel, I feel like a lot of people are probably most familiar with my work through Post Typography, uh, which is a design studio that I, I co-founded with uh, my collaborator, Nolan Strahls, here in Baltimore about 15 years ago. And we actually kind of started uh, doing the design studio. It, it came out of this band that we were playing in at the time called Double Dagger, which was this uh, punk, punk band um, we were, that had like very rowdy live shows. Nolan, uh, he... He was the singer slash screamer, um, and I, I played bass. And then we, uh, Den- Dennis Bone was our drummer. And you know, I think being being a musician in a band, like you're, it's uh, sorry, being a I should say being a designer slash musician in a band, um, it's you know, it's it's really fun because you get this opportunity to make your own album covers and design yeah. your T-shirts and do and make posters and that was really kind of what led to us founding the design studio um back back in 2007 so but really like before all of that i mean i i grew up in this really small town in new mexico called portales that was this very very dusty kind of small like literally very dusty town um in the high desert it's like totally flat there's no trees like you you walk outside of town and you can see you know, like miles in each direction. Yeah. Um, like really kind of in the, the middle of the desert. And 
uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I, I don't know, like as a kid, I was always really in, you know, into drawing, like a lot of kids. And in particular, I, I think I really was gravitating towards the more what, you know, I now say like was the design side of art and that I, I always liked more kind of functional drawings. Like I was, I'd always geek out over maps. Um, like a lot of kids, I drew cars all the time. Um, I, I remember, I think when I first realized that their like designer was a job, I, there was this documentary on PBS that was about like the history of the car or something, something like that. And we, for some reason we had taped it on like a VHS tape off the TV. And I like, when I was a kid, I must've like worn that tape out, like watching it so many times. Um, cause and it was cool because you would actually, they'd like interview these car designers and show them like doing these clay models of cars. And I, I think I, it was cool seeing it at that age. Cause I, it was this idea like, Oh, there's somebody, a person who is a designer, who's actually like making these things that we, you know, we see all around us and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't just magically happen. Or, or maybe you say like the designer is kind of the magician who makes all of it happen. Uh, I will, I will throw this in there, which I think you might find interesting. Um, I've, I've uh, spent some time in Clovis, and I've gone through Portales on more than one occasion. I have a brother that lived down there, so uh, yeah. It's, oh, crazy! It's, it's very flat. It's very flat. Yeah. <laughs> the land of enchantment. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's wild. Though. What was your your brother doing there? Uh, he was like the biggest car salesman in Clovis, New Mexico, and he was like, "The reason I am because I'm probably the only black guy here." <laughs> so yeah, we we went down there. My bro- my other brother and I and my dad with our kind of East Baltimore kind of steez and going down there with that energy. And it's like, yeah, these guys are from Baltimore. That's where the wire was filmed. I was like, can you not put that out there like that? Jeez. <laughs> so yeah, it's uh, it's cool to go down there. Yeah, that's well. I wonder if he wonder if he sold my parents a car at some point. It's <laughs> really funny. Um, so tell me, tell us about uh, public mechanics and like what was the thinking and kind of formation and, and bringing it together and and things of that nature. Because uh, so it's a laundry list that I'm going to get into a little bit later of of clients and it's recognizable around um, local parts here. So I wanted to kind of get that 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 kind of um, introductory sort of conversation started. Yeah, I, well, so with the work we were doing at Post Typography, I think we had been moving more and more into these like kind of like bigger sort of multifaceted projects that a lot of times would have some something like a component that took was in the built environment um, or like a three dimensional work to it. Like we worked on the uh, Parkway Theater with the Maryland Film Festival, um, and I think a lot of people in, in Baltimore are familiar with our work with the festival. Um, love. Loved that, loved doing films, film related stuff. Um, and I think like working on, on these types of projects really made me excited about, like, I, I think it like, rekindled my love for doing work in, in public space and 3D spaces and built environment. Um, as well as I, I think I had just been getting like a little bit burnt out on maybe some of the commercial side of the business and not, not that post typography was a super commercial agency ever. I mean, mm-hmm. not, not even really close to it, but I, I really liked the idea of being wanting to see if I could fo- focus my practice a little bit more on 
uh, yeah, there's like work that has this more cultural component, has like a big public art component and also building in more self-initiated projects into the mix, which was something that we, we didn't really get as much of a chance to do as we wanted at post typography. So this is, this is going to sound ridiculous and I think you touched on it, but let's, let's, um, kind of spread this out a little bit further. What is it about topography that excites you? Uh, which you know you got to say it like back and it's like hold up and um and in it there there are some other other things in there like um I'll, I'll leave the other bullet points in there but I at least want to start off there and then I'll ask other bullet points um as we go along in it so what what is it about uh typography that excites you I so I, that's like another th- reason that I think I gravitated towards being a designer is that I I always just I like reading and I like have always loved language and like I don't know just geeking out over like dumb like word games and stuff stuff like that and i i think like you know typography is is so cool is it's it's taking like the alphabet which is this endlessly both simple yet complex set set of these shapes mm-hmm. um and obviously there's not just one alphabet there's there's the you know latin and roman alphabet that we use but there's like many 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 other alphabets and you can just like take any one of these and kind of have these different permutations of the letters looking different ways, arranged in different ways, and you know just like generate, I don't know, countless like emotions, feelings. It's, it's this container for so many for like cool ideas. Um, yeah, it's it's just like it's something that is really fun. It's like the, something like taking something very small and simple, and like the further you dive into it, the the deeper it goes. So. What would you say, like, it could be local, it could be outside of local, but what are, like, some brands that, and, and, and maybe what this is more of a design-oriented question, but I, I think you obviously can answer this. Um, what are some local brands or, or brands that come to mind um, that really stick out because of their text or their use of maybe a certain uh, sort of letter language, if you will? I just coined that. Feel free yeah. to steal it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm always someone who gravitates towards that. I, I mean, this is maybe maybe just like my personal taste. I gravitate a lot of times towards like signs and like especially like things like that are older and a little bit more idiosyncratic. Um, and even, you know, in Baltimore, obviously the you know the Domino Sugar sign is this like huge local landmark, and it's I, I, like when I when I first moved to Baltimore and. So I like, and was sort of learning how to become a designer and like would, would go downtown and see that the sign and be like, man, this like, it's so cool. It's like, must be like three or four stories tall. It's like bright red and, <laughs> and has the, just like that very cool domino script on it. Um, that's, that's just like so recognizable and iconic. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just like always really like weird and idiosyncratic stuff as well like there's this tire shop on york road called uh, i think it's like gomez tire shop that, i know that place <laughs> yeah <laughs> every time i drive by there they have the the coolest hand-painted signs that are you know it's it you could tell that it's hand lettering as opposed to typography is because like the you know the letters are like a little imperfect there's like each each one you know like the the e's or are slightly different from each other and it has it has this just really like fun quality where it's like it you know it feels like professional but at the same time it's like it's just got energy and spirit yeah in it. it has that kind of that 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 uh i think that part of the the culture that's here the 
that DIY thing, you know, still while being professional, but also kind of uh, staying in that sort of DIY spirit. It's like, yeah, that's some imperfection in here because I did this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think I think that's something that I, I really love about Baltimore is that there there's this real DIY spirit across across like the arts community, but also you know in the business community, the design community, um, and it it does create this like real just kind of idiosyncratic language to yeah. to the city that I, I think it's you know it's kind of maybe hard to like pin pinpoint oh what is like what does Baltimore look like yeah. you know but I think that it has this eclecticism to it and this a little bit of like a scrappy DIY quality that I. I, I feel like is kind of this common theme that that is is still here and is maybe like it's there's less of it in in other cities I found where it's yeah. like it's I feel like it's going away in a lot of places. And, and I like that you kind of did a little daily double right there. You answered one of my later questions in there. <laughs> I was like, what's the visual language of Baltimore? You kind of touched on it. So shout out to you. <laughs> um so I want to I want to ask this. Um, so I see that you know you know public mechanics is is, is worked with um, you know Bopa Pickle Studio, Union Craft Brewing, and collaboration. Seeing like those those kind of fingerprints um, in and around Baltimore places that you know are kind of like landmarks. Like we, when we think of landmarks, I think we think of like these things that are old or what have you, but not things that are current. And in looking at like Union, for instance. Um, yeah, been around for ten years. It will have you. That starts to fall into one of those spots. Like this, as a brand, has been around for ten years, but that is a meeting place for a lot of different people. And um, so, when it turns into like collaboration or, or partnering or bringing in clients, what are certain things that you look for in those sorts of relationships? Like, what is that kind of like north star for you? So, I think it was uh, Tibor Kalman, who's a, a pretty well-known designer, who said. Uh, I think so something something to the effect of look for clients who are smarter than you. And I always I, I feel like that that's like one element. Um I mean obviously clients who are smarter than you is great, but just in general, like a client who can will push you and sort of and challenge you, I think that is always the best kind of relationship. Like uh, obviously having that kind of client uh, the collaborative relationship, but you know, if someone comes comes to to me and says, Hey, like I I'm trying, I'm trying to do this thing. And I, you know, like the way that I, if, if I was going to do it, I would probably I'd do it this one way, but I want you to like, try and show me something that is like totally different is maybe, maybe going to challenge like my audience or my community a little bit. Um, and, you know, like push things a little bit. And like, I, so I think having somebody who sort of understands that there's like, Hey, like, you like or us you know as designers like we're going to bring a different perspective to it and sort of be be open to that and kind of like give us the freedom to do that kind of work but at the same time also kind of push us to do our best work mm -hmm. um, i think that's really important and then i i'd say like the second element of that is just somebody who's doing really great work themselves in whatever field that they're in you know, whether it's, uh, you know, doing like programming, like really amazing films, like the film festival is doing, like bring, doing, bringing like this cool cultural event uh, to Baltimore or, you know, make, making really great beer or, or doing give, like, or being like a, the museum, like sort of having a vision for that museum that is, you, you know, like very inclusive and like forward thinking and like try, trying to like change things. Um, yeah. I think all of that 
is yeah it, like but those are all like i think great things have in a client relationship and, and obviously the collaborative element is really key to that too thank you thank you for sharing that um and i think like i always ask this sort of question but i, I want to make it a little bit more of a challenge uh uh -oh. you know, people, <laughs> people can easily answer, um, like, you know, what's your source of inspiration and so on. Uh, and, and, and usually they're kind of like, you kind of get an idea of like, okay, that, that makes sense. That would make sense as a source of inspiration. What sorts of kind of like uncommon source of inspiration, like, for instance, um, for for me to do better questions, right? One would think, or oh, to do a podcast, one would think, oh, you're going to different podcast functions and you get inspired by talking to other podcasters or even artists or so on. And but in fact, I get inspired by listening to really old audiobooks. Like, let me tap into something old from Dale Carnegie. Let me tap into something that is like old philosophy. And it kind of jogs loose certain ideas that I actually want to know what this person thinks about this. So that's something that's uncommon for me, I guess. What would you say is that something that's an uncommon source of inspiration that's embedded in your work? I, I mean, I think something that I always get really inspired by the, just like the city environment around me. And I, I think this, I wouldn't necessarily, I'm trying to think, I mean, I, I do feel like it, if it can be uncommon if you're looking for the right kind of things. <laughs> um, and like for me, the stuff that I always find most inspiring or is just like weird, weird stuff that you <laughs> see in the city. <laughs> and there's like something that you'd like mostly like only see in a city. Like you wouldn't like you don't necessarily see it if you go out to like a, a really nice suburban like manicured housing development. It's like I don't know that that juxtaposition of like some somebody has like thrown out some like old mattress and it's like sitting on top of this poster and it's covering it's covering up half of the poster so the poster says something else and yeah. but then like someone's like tagged tagged some like funny picture on the mattress so it was, i don't know like all that kind of like, these like juxtapositions of things that happen in, in the city i think are just like endlessly inspiring i mean the thing that this is also probably kind of weird uh I, i'm like really inspired by bricked up windows that you see okay. if like i don't know, i've actually been i've been taking photos of this stuff for I don't know, like over a couple decades actually <laughs> just like you, you see like it's just like you're walking down like some alley and there's like some wind like used to be a window there and someone has like done this really like sloppy job like putting like cinder blocks or or like random colored bricks in the window yeah. and there's if you start paying attention to them like each one of them is like really really unique and it I, it says a lot i think both about like the owner of the building whoever made this like what was going on at the time because like Sometimes they're like very, very neat. They've like really matched, like lined up the bricks, tried, tried to like hide it. I think mean, other times it might just be, oh, we just got whatever, whatever bricks were like laying around in a pile and like threw them in here and like yeah. there's like mortar, which kind of like dripping down all over the place. And we're, we're trying to protect ourselves from the incoming like zombie invasion and putting these bricks up in this haphazard way is the only way to do so. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, the, and I, I think like I'm inspired, but both from like the visual standpoint, but also there's this, this sort of like, like both sad, but also kind of funny, like metaphoric quality to it. But yeah, we're like this window, which is this object for like letting in light and see having this transmission between the outdoor world and the indoor space. And yeah, we're just like turning into a wall. We're like closing it off. We're closing ourselves inside. And it's, uh, it, 
it's it's sad uh, and a little bit poignant, but it also I think ha- has this very like beautiful quality in the way that it's done in such this this personal way to it. Um, yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, so I got I got two more real questions, and then I got those lovely, lovely, lovely rapid fire questions for you. So, you know, as we get down into the fourth quarter, as we like to call it here, um, that's actually the first time I've called it that. Um, what would you say is the biggest challenge uh, you faced of being like, I, I consider you a professional creative and some people may not use that sort of nomenclature for what they do, but what are some of the biggest challenges you face in doing the work that you do and how do you overcome set challenges? I mean, I think, I feel like one of the biggest things, especially like earlier on and even, even still today is um, just kind of like understanding how to value and like the money side of stuff. Um, you know, especially like early on when we were running post typography, we, we just like really like undervalued the work that we were doing, like undercharged for, for, for things. And part of it was cause we, you know, I, I think we like didn't know better. Like mm-hmm. we didn't, we didn't really have an understanding of like, Oh, what is sort of an industry standard for, you know, designing an advertisement for someone or designing a logo. Um, you know, part of it also, I think just like, maybe not being confident enough in ourselves. And, you know, I think like, obviously like when you're young and starting off, like, yeah, you should, you shouldn't charge like too much money because you're still figuring stuff out. It, you know, you're getting an opportunity to like learn on the job. So that's, sure. that's worth something. But at the same time, it's like, you shouldn't be working for free. You shouldn't be going and in, going into debt to, to do work. Um, and it's, it's, I feel like challenging and, you know, especially in a place like Baltimore where there's not necessarily like huge amounts of money compared to other cities for, for projects. And, um, you know, sometimes there's this expectation that, I mean, I'm sure like, you know, I, I know that you've talked about this with like your other guests too, they're like, you know, artists, you're doing something you love, work, work for less money or work for free. And, um, you know, kind of getting, try, I think like, I've really been trying to get into the mindset of like thinking about like what value does my work create for someone else um, or for the client, you know, if I'm charging money for yeah. it, like what value does it create for the client, um, both financial, financially, but maybe intangibly, like what does it do for their brand or perception or their ability to like market themselves or get people to come to, to their uh, park or museum or building. I think I, I relate to that. I think a lot of folks relate to it as you're bringing in sort of client work, work where you're charging and so on. And, you know, I spend a nice chunk of my time, probably about 30% of my time and that I kind of dedicate towards some of the administrative stuff, but even some of this kind of outreach oriented stuff to maybe looking for clients and things of that nature. And um, I think what I try to do, and I'm not as vocal about it and out there about it, but I try to bring in a client here and there that I might be a ghost podcaster for or consultant for to to kind of fund this and keep this something that's an unfunded but unsullied project. Because I think when you bring in funding or bring in funders, suddenly someone now has a little bit more control or say in, over your expression. And that's not really something I'm super interested in. But when it is those instances where there is a collaboration that falls within this line, I'm like, all right this is kind of what I'm looking for. You know, we can kind of talk about it here's a draft or whatever, here's an MOU. We can talk about it. But, um, you know, it's also one of the things that you said that resonated with me is 
early on, not knowing any better, I was undercharging and, you know, seeing folks I'm like, oh, huh, got new clients off of that and so on. And it's like not really having the industry standards set up and or being miscategorized as, oh, well, this is an influencer thing. No, this is probably more marketing oriented for some of you folks. And you guys have a marketing budget. And, you know, it's not a matter of because I, I had this recently where someone was like, this is the budget that I have. And it was probably a third of what I asked for. And I was like, okay, then I can offer a third of what you're looking for and be confident in doing that because it's like, I know how I value my work and I know how people see what this is and what, what maybe benefits come from it. But that takes that time, that confidence and that kind of repetition and also writing it out. I think at a point when I put together a, a, uh, a deck, a, a press kit, if you will, and saying like, this is kind of what I do. And these are the analytics that back it up using my day job as a data analyst. I was mm. like, oh, so this is my reasoning, my methodology for it. And it's either cool, I can move on, you know, but this is less scarcity, more abundance is what I try to go for. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I, I think it's really important. Like one, one thing that I, you know, whenever I'm advising like young, younger designers or you know, creative people is just try and have those like money conversations like early on in, in the part or like before you kind of get too far down the road talking about a project with with a client or, or someone um you know, just like make make sure that the expectations are really clear and sort of, and I think trying to identify like what you need to be able to do do your work in a way that you're actually getting paid for it and and and, you know, and sometimes, you know, maybe some instances that might be, it's like a really low budget project, but like, all right, I just need to get paid enough to, you know, cover my time, not feel like I'm, I'm being taken advantage of. But, you know, if you're working for a client who has money, like it's, you know, a big nonprofit or a, you know, corporation or, or someone, it's like you, it's like, Hey, like I need to get, I need to be getting paid, whatever, how like hundred dollars an hour or something, or whatever <laughs> it is that you, you feel like is your kind of baseline rate. plus thinking about like all this like you're saying all the time that kind of goes into it like the bookkeeping and the the sort of like going after new business and, and all that stuff that's um uh, i mean i i've yeah i feel like it's something i've I've just like sort of had to learn about all this stuff yeah. like over the years and like it's not very good figuring it out and i i, I feel like younger people are coming up or just get getting a lot better at that hope, hopefully and hopefully. I, I, hopefully i mean I, I would just like say to you all i mean i think it's if, like anyone who's listening to this who's just getting into design or creative um field just like I, i'd say don't don't undersell yourself you know if someone is trying to take advantage of you or you know get you to work for exposure or whatever i mean like take a like a really hard look at like is this a, the kind of person you want to work with one or like a corporation or like an like institution whatever, whatever it is one and like and two is like, yeah, what, what are you getting out of it? What are they getting out of it? And, you know, cause a lot of like almost every time it's like, they're going to get more out of it than you are. 100%. You 100%. And, um, yeah. So I guess the last real, real question, I'm going to modify it a little bit. Um, from, from a design, from an art, from any perspective, cause you know, we like to drop jewels here. We like to drop gems here. And I think you had a piece here a second ago, which I think is very salient. But if you could, um, what is one thing? It could be advice. It could be whatever you want. But what is one thing that you want to offer the community from your vantage point, from your lens? I think really being like trying to be supportive of each other in the creative community. 
I think is very important. And that, that can mean either, you know, trying, trying to like hire each other, hire other artists, hire other, you know, hire musicians or filmmakers, photographers, whoever, if you're working on a project. And if there's an opportunity to bring someone in, in a way that you're like, okay, this is, this is a project that this person can get paid or be like helpful doing this. And I try and create that like collaborative environment, I think is, is really great um, wherever you can. And I, I know it's not always possible everywhere, but just tr- trying to like uh, foster the sense of community wherever you can um, is, is something that is, is super important. 100%. Um, couldn't say it better myself. So with that, um, I want to bring in a few. I'm going to wheel it in, leave the rapid fire questions. I got a couple of them. Uh, don't overthink them. Don't overthink them. Don't overthink them. I, I've, on, I've honestly been been like, this is the part that I'm like, oh, man. I'm, we'll no, you're going to be great. You're going to be great. Um, and we want to be as, as, as brief as possible here because I think when we have time to overthink it, uh, you know. So I want to start off with um, this one. Um, what is your favorite font? ITC Franklin Gothic. See, you just kind of threw that one out there. See, I don't even, I can't even fact check it. I can't even see if that's a real thing. You could just made that up. I'm here. I'll accept it. Yeah. Mine's this Times New Roman because I'm boring and I type it in italics because I'm way cooler than my, no, never mind. That's, that's a Hannibal Dwyer's joke. Don't worry about it. Uh, sunrise or sunset? Sunset. What was the last book you read? 1491. Uh, what was your last Google search? Oh, I would have to. I'd have to go go look that up. I'd have to Google that one. Okay, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Rob Lee is probably the search actually. <laughs> yeah, I was like, like, wait, is it like Rod, Rod Lee Baltimore Club? <laughs> the truth is in this club. Uh, lastly, um, now this this is one that always trips people up, but I I enjoy it because it's a little trolly. Describe what you do, but describe it poorly. Describe it poorly. Yeah. All right. Uh, I I make I make things that people can can interact with and look look at in the world in public. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good example of describing what you do poorly. I love yeah, that. Yeah, it's like it's really it's really it's really bad. Definitely would not put, not gonna put that on the website. No, that's not on the that's not on the LinkedIn. You know, it's like I'm a typography televangelist. It's like that's not what I do actually. That's that's pretty good. That's that's a pretty cool description. Uh, so with that, um, I'm gonna thank you for for being on this podcast. This has been been a treat. It's been a been a great thing to kind of chat it up and uh, spend a yarn with you, as it were. And uh, um, in the final moments here, I want to invite and encourage you to tell the fine folks where to check you out, your work, and just to get a little bit more deeper in the conversation. So if you could share your social media website, whatever you want to share, the floor is yours. Cool. Well, yeah. Thanks, Rob. Um, yeah. This is this has been a really fun conversation. Um, yeah, and if you want to uh, find out more about Public Mechanics, about my work, um, it's at Public Mechanics on Instagram. Um, I've got a couple of websites. Uh, yeah, Public Mechanics is the more the studio website, and then uh, BruceWillen.com uh, also has some more personal work, some music stuff. Um, I'm also working on a, a, a big like public art and history project called Ghost Rivers. Um, if you want to check out ghostrivers.com, there's going to be some, some more stuff, uh, coming up on that in the next, over the next few months and the installations are like starting uh, next spring, 2023. So check it out. Well, there you have it folks. Um, again, for, uh, Bruce Willen, I am Rob Lee saying that there are designers, typography, all of that good stuff in and around Baltimore. You just got to look for it.